0: If you have your Bibles turn over with me the book of Mark, chapter 4. Two great messages already. In a little bit, we're going to take time in these altars and, and uh, give time to prayer and making decisions. I know we've already made some decisions. We're going to make an altar before the Lord here in just a moment. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. We're going to look at this. Several weeks ago, I was at a volleyball game that Reese was playing in in a school. And then I looked across, the, uh, looked across the gymnasium and on the wall there was a poster and it said 212 degrees i don't know if anybody else has ever seen something like this but it said 212 degrees and it read like this at 211 degrees water is hot at 212 degrees it boils and with boiling water comes steam and with steam you can power a train one extra degree makes all the difference 212 degrees. You know, I, th- I was thinking about this over the last few weeks. And I was thinking how many, uh, lives, how many times we live just below what God's expectations are for our lives. We want to be a part of something that's moving. We want to do something that is significant. We want to really make our lives count for the things of God. But when it comes to the, the uh, reality of our Christian life and what we're, what we're investing and what we're doing on our own, we don't quite reach the place where the, we get on that gospel train. The train's not quite moving, there's no, there no real action, and we can look at other people and we can say, I want what they have, I want, I want the kind of miracle that they've got, I want to uh, have the kind of fruitfulness out of my life that they have in their life, or I want that ministry, but you know, there has to be something that is, is produced in our lives if we want real results from our walk with God. We can't live at 210, and I, you know, at, at 212, water boils in denver it's 202 on mount everest it's 168 but at sea level it's 212 and there the, the, you know we we live beneath the, the privilege of believers we're capable of so much more never before have we had so much opportunity before us we've got so much that is available to us and yet we've done so little with it you look back at in history at people that are part of church history they there are books written about them they you know when i when i look for a good book i don't always go looking for the latest bestseller that is on the stands i want to read something from somebody that's you know they they most of the time they've already gone on to be with the lord I'm looking at their testimony, I'm looking at the, the life they lived and, and uh, you know I'm thinking about these, these people, they, they've already gone on to be with Jesus, these are the people that have really made a tremendous impact in the world, they did it without social media, they did it without the best technology, they did it without flying around the world in, in less than you know t- 24 hours, they did it without all of these things. Writing letters, there were, there were prayer groups, there were people that, that from the home church wrote letters and prayed for them and it was through these means they were able to do something and push the gospel forward and, and th- there has to be that in our lives if we're gonna do something for the Lord. In Mark chapter four and verse 24, he says, then it says, then he said to them, take heed what you hear, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you and to you who hear, more will be given. You know, this is a description of how the kingdom of God, the, the economy of God works. That we're not meant to be just vessels, but we're the, the more that is poured into our lives, the more we release out of our lives, the more is poured into our lives. The more we give, the more we're investing, The more it's, it, it, the more you give, the more you have. Not the other way around well, if I just had a little bit more, then I could really do something for God. Take what you've got, put it to work for the Lord as we spend ourselves, as we give ourselves, as Pastor Marshall is preaching, as we get our hands dirty, as Pastor Dustin is preaching, then more is poured into our lives. Then in verse 25, for whoever has to him more will be given, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. You know, the more you empty yourselves, we empty ourselves before God, that's that's as that's how God pours more into our lives. You know, I want to challenge this. I think we ought to be challenged to hold nothing back. Hold nothing back in our finances, hold nothing back in our energy, hold nothing back. You know, if you hold on to your time, if you if you hold on to your resources, of everything that you have, you kind of accumulate to yourself and say, Well, this is all mine. It's my time. It's my resources. It's, it's, it's my, my family. It, it's, it's my life. You miss, we're, we're in danger of missing the, the best that God has for our lives. We're in danger of missing those opportunities that are presented to us for doing something for God. John said, I must decrease, and he must increase. I must decrease and he must increase. We're to, we're, to, we're to hold nothing back in our relationship with him. What This is the expectation of God for our lives. If you look over at Psalm 24, if you turn with me over to Psalm 24, David is writing this as a result of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem and this was one of the worst one of the worst days in all of Israel was when the Ark of the Covenant had been captured. It'd been taken by the Philistines and they had killed at first three thousand, I think it's three or four thousand, and then the news came back to the prophet Eli and he to, to Eli and he uh, uh, heard that his sons had died in battle, and he himself died, and they then they, they uh Lost another thirty thousand soldiers. Israel loses this battle, and the Philistines captured that ark. And they kept it for a short time, and they moved it from place to place. And everywhere they would move it, the people would get sick. Everywhere they moved it, the the people had tumors. Finally, they returned the ark of the covenant back to Israel, where it stayed at the house of Abinadab for twenty years. But finally, David decides to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. And he decides he's going to build a new, ark, a, new a, a new cart for this Ark. He's going to put it in a place where he's going to really give it the kind of respect that it deserves. And so he builds a new cart and they put the Ark of the Covenant there. And everything is going great until that, that ox that's pulling that cart stumbles. How many remember the story? This man, whose name is Uzzah, reaches out to try and steady it. And in, in that moment, he uh, gets the full wrath of God upon his life as God pours out his wrath upon him. And, and the event was a tragic thing. It was an embarrassment for David. It was, it was, it, it was something that was uh, a blight in, in, his, in his reign at this particular time. And if you know, you know, if we're not careful, we come to a place where we think we know better than God does. We think we know what God needs. What God really needs is my help in this situation. What, what, what really needs to take place is this. And we've got in our mind how everything's going to work outside of what God has already designed and what he's planned. We're going to make something happen. You know, there are churches that are, that are uh, th- this mentality, even though they won't say it outright, this mentality is, is prevalent in their ministry because everything they do is without the, the spirit of God. Without the presence of the Lord, without conviction, without any kind of a genuine presence of God in that place. It's a manufactured presence, something that is created. It's something that, that we try to generate in, in our own carnal thinking, thinking that we can somehow make up for the things of God and for what God has already designed. We need to hold nothing back in our walk with God and, 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 and not be the kind of people that instead of seeking the, the, the face of God or the favor of God, we're seeking the favor of men. Romans chapter 12. Let me go back to 24. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Psalm 24. I want to look at this and then we'll go to Romans twelve. This is what David writes as a result of this. They went and retrieved the Ark of the Covenant from Obed Edom's house where the Ark had been left, after David had learned the, the, the blessing of the Lord there that had taken place after after Uzzah reached out and touched the, the, the card and touched the the Ark of the Covenant. This is what David writes at this specific time. He says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. This is what God is expecting out of us today. He that has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord that is strong and mighty, the Lord that is mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. You know, there's a that there you can see the, the passion here. You can see the desire to, to be right before God, to live a life that is that is not lukewarm, that is not on the on the other side of righteousness and just you know barely hanging on by a thread. It's a life that is that to be lived in, before God to the fullest. Romans 12 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord never be lacking in zeal i wonder how many of us can say that in our walk with god we're never lacking in zeal we're never we're never be, we, we we're we're never at the at the very peak i think we all struggle at some place with being exactly where we need to be in our walk with god but that, there, there, are, there are certain things that if we don't address them, we're in danger of, of going, in, instead of going in an upward, up and right direction, we're in danger of, of falling lower and lower in our walk with God and we begin to, it, it's, it's very frustrating and ultimately people drop out of the ministry. They drop out of church. Not lacking in zeal, never be lacking in zeal. In the New King James, it says, "Not lacking in diligence, but fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord." He's talking about being on fire, being hot for the Lord, being at at a boil all the time, having your life at that temperature where our lives are are producing fruit. You know, it's, it's so valuable to read that Christian history because you read about men like, like C.T. Studd. Read about James Frazier. I don't know how many have read the book Mountain Rain, but you read about, about James Frazier going into China. Or you read of C.T. Studd and, and his missionary a- endeavors. Read about Robert Murray McShane, who I shared about at Pastor Dylan's church on Wednesday night, and you read about these men, and you think, man, these men must have, they, they were giants, these men were in touch with God, they were hungry, they wanted to be used, and they weren't just praying for the will of God, they were doing the will of God. Here they, they, they write with such uh, intensity. If you've ever read anything from Robert Murray McShane, you would think that this man was in his 80s, you would think that he had lived a long, full life, and that the revelations of God had come to him over decades and decades of serving God. But this young man, this man was, it was only 29 when he died. And as if you were to read what he'd written, you'd think he, this man was truly in touch with the things of God. He heard from heaven. How many years pass? How, many, how much time passes before we fully understand I really need to get serious about my walk with God. I need to get serious about ministry. I need to get serious about what God wants to do with me. We think, well, that was then, you know, this is now, this is another generation. You know, we have, we have technology. I've got, a, I've got a smartphone. I've got an iPhone. I've got these things, you know, I've got, I've got a hobby. I've got uh, responsibilities. I've got things that are pulling on me. These men, when you read their stories, these men were capable men. They were educated. Ivy League schools, talented musicians. James Frazier, a concert pianist. C.T. Studd, an athlete that could have been a very, a, a, a very uh, notable athlete. He was a notable athlete. They left these things. They, they uprooted themselves. They, they, they turned their back on, on jobs and careers and, and other areas of notoriety to do the will of God. To be used of God. To have their life matter. They, they were determined to do something for the Lord. They came from these various places. Simply, they 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 lived their lives to the fullest, simply by laying it all out for the Lord. Now, I was thinking about Peyton Manning retiring. Now, Denver's lost two quarterbacks, and Peyton Manning retired. I, I happened to turn on the television on Sunday. I think it was Sunday night as they were making the announcement that he's going to be. Uh, announcing his retirement, and I know that you know they'd already they'd already put all these highlight reels together of his career. And they'd taken they'd taken you know pictures from the draft when he was drafted. Then they took pictures of of him coming up with the Colts and all these different all of this diff, these different highlight reels. Now they had one piece on there that was all the boys that were now playing high school football whose names were Peyton. They were named after Peyton Manning now a, a, a ton of them some of them are quarterbacks in various positions they are playing in various places these are all just in in Indiana these kids that are playing football and, they, and the highlight reel I mean it was just one re, one highlight reel after another and I, I got to thinking you know where where's the highlight reel for for ministry there is no highlight reel it's just day in and day out where's the highlight reel for your Christian walk you know there where's the we look back and sometimes you sometimes you don't see all the highs you just see the the negatives. Sometimes we look at what we've produced and we wonder where is the where's the results for our investment but I can promise you God is indeed keeping a highlight reel of our lives. He's got it together. He's looking at our successes. He's looking at our lives. He's keeping track of all of the things that we're that we're involved in. He's keeping these things and there's nothing half-hearted about about the 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 words that Paul uses. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. That means it's all in. In Luke chapter 10 in verse 27. Says So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And then it even adds, and your neighbor as yourself, which isn't always the easiest thing. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. all your mind with all your soul and with all your strength how many know that's that's all in at the heart level not 50 percent not 99 percent, all in at the soul level all in at the mind level and at the strength level this is what is expected of out of us total commitment total passion total devotion Total agreement, total resolve to a place where we are totally boiling 212 degrees. This is the call that He's made on our lives. You know, do we want a life that's just mediocre? Where we're we just kind of halfway in? Pastor Marshall preached it. You know, yeah, we showed up. Yeah, we put on our, our, our Sunday best, but did we really give what God was expecting out of us in that service? When we left those doors before we came back on a Wednesday or on a Sunday or for the next service, did we really give God the best that we had to offer out of our lives? When it comes to the area of ministry, are we just kind of hoping for that we're gonna, we're gonna get lucky and the right person's gonna stumble in or the right couple's gonna come in or did we give our best in going after people that are hurting and desperate and, and believing God for fruit? Are we just kind of hoping they're going to come in? You know, pastoring and 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 being in ministry is very hard work raising up disciples you know it'd be nice if people came in and they already knew everything that they needed to do they didn't have to be taught they already knew how to tie they already knew how to do how to be faithful they had they knew how to do all of these things how to treat their wife how to how to raise their children it would be great if they came in knowing those kinds of things but they don't People come in, they need help, they need encouragement. They've got a long list of failures behind them. Didn't know how to keep a job. Didn't know how to treat a husband or treat a wife or how to, how to discipline their children. Don't know how to manage their resources. I had one guy in Greeley when we were pastoring there and he, and he said, you get him saved and we'll disciple them. He was from another church, obviously. I said, no, we're gonna get him saved and we're gonna disciple him too. It's work but you know if it, if we're willing to give ourselves to the to the work of the Lord it will it, it will produce good fruit it'll produce godly fruit and we pour ourselves out for other people God brings people in he brings in resources we pour our resources out he brings resources in we give our best in the ministry he gives his best in our lives that's the way it works that's the kingdom of that's the economy of God I don't want a life that's mediocre, you know, you know, where your prayer life, you know, is sporadic at best, where your communication is, is you, you know, you rarely talk about your faith. You can talk for hours about other things. You can talk for hours about sports. You can talk for hours about politics. You talk for hours about all these other things, but how, how what about your conversation when it comes to the things of God? It's just kind of there. This, you know, it's barely there. Or your favorite relationships are with people that don't share a passion for the lost or the things of God. You know, every healthy believer, every maturing believer ought to have a, ferver, a fervency or a fervor for the Lord that's evident in their life. They love the Lord. It's not a burden. It's not a burden to 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 be in prayer. It's not a burden to to uh, be in church or be involved in ministry. It, there's an there's an excitement. You say, Pastor, that's that's difficult. Yes, it, it is difficult sometimes. We have all kinds of things that are pulling on us in the world. There are all kinds of opportunities. There are plenty of, of things to be involved in. If you're looking for an activity or something extracurricular, there's something to find. But if we're going to receive the, the the that those two words when we if we're going to hear well done when we stand before God we're going to have to consider our decisions in light of eternity. We're going to have to think that one of these days we're going to stand before God and give an account. Why do we do it? I believe that was one of the I, I believe it was one of the chapters in this book that, that we've been talking about and pastors been talking about why some churches are blessed why do we do what we do because we understand we're going to give an account for our lives and we're going to stand before god for the decisions that we've made and for the lives that we've lived i mean just imagine for a moment if you were to take your emotions your specific emotions i know some people think well so and so is emotional and uh, they've got ups and downs. but if you were to take your own emotions and your, uh, over your life and put it on a graph so you could see the real ups and downs of your emotions and your spiritual walk, how many know that would, it would look like a mess. We would like to say it was always going up and to the right. You know what I'm saying? It was always you know it was always going up. but for many people, it's up here and then it's way down here and then it's up here, and, they, and then they get down here, and then they get some coffee, and they get back up here. That would be me. And then they're down here, and we, do, and we live like that. But, you know, it, it, it ought to be that we are growing, and our fervency is more and more. You know, it, it, does, it does excite me when I see new converts. And new converts are encouraging to me. New people in church—they're encouraging to me. They give me hope. And I—it—it it always bothers me when I see people that that are—they've uh, been around for a while and they look at new converts and they look at new converts like they've just seen like the, you know a rare animal or something. <laughs> but did you see what they did? Like you know, like they were like they were a a, a new baby taking his first steps. Did you see what they did? But sometimes we look at people that are, that are excited about the things of God and we kind of poo-poo it, you know. We, we act like, well, don't worry about them. One of these days they'll be just like us. One of these days it'll wear off. I don't want to be that kind of a Christian that takes so, thinks so little of what God is doing. I want to have an excitement and an unction for the things of God. I want to have a willingness to go and enthusiasm and have the, what Paul is talking about, a fervor for the things of God. He, Paul is saying that ought to never die out. That ought to never be something that's just kind of waning in our life. It ought to be growing and growing. When we look forward to an outreach we look forward to handing out a gospel tract. there are some things that we can do do though that do hinder what god does in us the first thessalonians it says do not quench the spirit don't quench the spirit that means you know it is possible to quench the spirit of god it's possible that you know you could you could choke out what god wants to do in your life that passion that he's stirring within you that you, you we have a we have within us the capability of choking it out say well like what well there are there are things that we allow in you, anybody that's involved in that that is uh, health conscious or you know thinks about uh you know looking their best and and being the best version of themselves thinks i gotta watch what i put into my body I, my appetite matters maybe some folks they think well it doesn't matter what i eat you know i am what i am others think i can't put that in my body i my body can't handle that and then there, there, there are those like like some of our youth that are talking like chinese to me they're talking about macros and and you know, how many this you can have how many of that you can have i don't fully understand it yet i w- i'll get there but there there are things that we cannot put in our lives and, and, and feed ourselves with without those things decreasing our spiritual temperature. Now, so how do you feed yourself? What does your entertainment diet look like? What does your social media diet look like? What's your scripture diet? What do you give your time to? I wanna give you just a few things Five specific things that you can write down. There are a whole host of others, but things that choke out or quench the spirit of God in our lives. Number one is the influence of other people. You know, there are some people, they, they don't increase your passion for the Lord. They decrease the pa- your passion for the Lord. Even saved people. There are people that are, yes, they're Christians. Yes, they even attend the same church as you, but their enthusiasm or their desire for the things of God is not where it needs to be. You get around them, you have good fellowship, you can spend hours talking, but do you walk away from that relationship or that conversation more on fire for the things of God or are you just kind of so-so? The influence of... Of others they don't really add value to your walk with God they don't feed your passion for what's right and 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 sometimes it can be a believer a person that loves the Lord but they go to another church their vision is not the same it's not that they're not saved or it's not that they're they're doing something that is is, is completely off the wall they're just going in another direction they don't have a burden for discipleship they don't have a burden for evangelism they're, it, Reaching the world or doing something for God isn't part of their vocabulary They're just they're easy about it They're easy about just going to church showing up leaving that their 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 level of commitment is it only goes so far We need to watch how we allow other people to influence our lives They influence our decisions even people that have been in church for a while can pour water on on the enthusiasm of new people And because they aren't excited about it, because it's not important to them, or because they've already been there and tried that, it's not a big deal. And they say, oh, it'll wear off. Eventually, they'll just come to church, and maybe, you know, eventually, they'll be like us. The second thing is trying to do more than we should by running ourselves ragged. That means you don't have time for prayer because as pastor Dylan said on on Wednesday night you know you wake up just in time to run out the door you don't have time to pray you don't have time to read you're too tired because you've you've built everything you can into your schedule and it can even be good things but we've uh, we've occupied ourselves with so many other things that the things of God take lower priority in our lives We've just built everything we can. We're gonna maximize every minute of every hour of every day and we've got all these things. There's no time for involvement in church because we've got this sport thing, we've got that thing we've gotta do and we've got everything's, everything's uh, just just built into that schedule and we can't do anything extra. There's no time for the things of God. The third thing that, that happens that quenches the spirit of God in our lives is inconsistency in our spiritual life, inconsistency, your spiritual life is just a roller coaster, you read one, one day or you, you do well for a couple of days and then you and then you let, you know, back off of it and then you say, well, I'm going to get excited about it again and there's just, it's just always inconsistent when it comes to even reading and praying. Your, your walk with God is inconsistent the fourth thing is that our possessions own us instead of us owning them priorities are mixed up we can't give to anything because we've we've got our, our we're maxed out on everything maxed out on all, all of, and and this is not as, as a matter of necessity it's a matter of choice had, had to have this and had to have that instead of living beneath our means, instead of living within a, a reasonable budget like the government does. I'm just kidding. Instead of living within our means, we've, we've outspent everybody else. We've got things that we've got stuff going on everywhere so we can't, we can't participate in the things of God. You know, it is not the will of God that you be buried in debt and under the thumb of those credit cards and have have this kind of pressure in your life on a regular basis, on a constant basis. You'd be better off to downsize and do without some things and be able to be used of God instead of letting the devil run you ragged for those credit cards and for all those bills. This is just a side note. We ought to be able to respond whenever there's an opportunity given. We ought to be able to meet somebody's needs. Somebody somebody has a need. Somebody needs uh, uh, some help. We can give them $20, and, and it's a blessing to us, and it's a blessing to them. We can give them a Pentecostal handshake because we're not strapped by everything else that, that's pulling on us, and we've given ourselves everywhere else except where, we, where God wants to use us. The fifth thing is that we leave God out of the equation of our lives. Carnal thinking. We, every decision we make is just purely out of our own mind. We just, what, what do we think, you know? We, we don't seek the will of God, don't seek counsel from anyone else. We're just carnal by nature. That quenches the spirit of God. God wants to move in us. He wants to lead us he wants to give us wisdom in decisions helping us make right decisions directing our our footsteps it's not accidental when you read the testimony of people that that uh, have gone on before us and that have made these great inroads into other countries it's not by accident they end up in these places If you read some of these stories and I want to just challenge you we ought to be, every one of us be readers Every single one of us ought to. You ought to ask your pastor: Is there a good book that I can read? I want to. I want to be a reader. Feed yourself. But it was, no, it was by no accident that these great men and women who made these these uh, uh, advances for the kingdom of God in, in various places—how they ended up there. The Spirit of God led them. They were living a life that was obedient to the Holy Spirit. They're they're. Read, read some of the journals of Jim Elliot as he, as he gave himself and his wife and they went down to minister to the Akka Indians and you read some of his journals and some of her journals. And so there are habits that we can put in place that will intensify our walk with God. In 2 Timothy Verse 1, chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, therefore, I remind you, Paul says, I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you. Stir up the gift of God. Another translation says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. That's his encouragement to us. Stir it up. We've done that, we're here, we've made efforts to be in this rally and we've driven and we've taken time away from work. I believe we wanna stir up what God wants to do in our lives. It's a word of encouragement, get the word of God. There are three things that you can do. Number one, get the word of God in your life. Say, so I haven't had a passion for souls. We ought to get start by reading the word of God. Get in the gospel of John and begin to read what Jesus did for, it, for humanity and what he wants to do with your life. Begin to devour the word of God. Begin to feed yourself with the word of God and feel it, whether, whether you feel like it or not, let him speak to you. It will not return void. It will not come up empty get the Word of God in you the second thing is maybe maybe we ought to take some time to fast I know some folks they don't want they don't want to fast and if if pastor calls it that's the only time they're gonna fast pastor had to make us but you know you can fast you can fast food you can take a meal you could take a day you could fast three days for some it wouldn't be a bad idea to turn off social media and fast that would be a serious fast that'd be worse than food some people would rather go without food than to go without their phone hello learn how to say no maybe there maybe it's entertainment I don't know what it is but it takes some time Say, so you know what, I'm not gonna allow myself to be consumed by by these things I need to hear from God I need God to speak to me I need to hear from heaven in my life and the third thing is that there has to there is no substitute for the altar there's no substitute for getting around an altar in service I encourage it we encourage it in our church we've done it in every place we've pastored we've learned there's a there's a special presence of the Lord there's a there are things that are broken in an altar they're not broken in any other way there's something that happens in an altar it doesn't happen anywhere else there there's there's less counseling when we open up our altars and we encourage time in the altars if you want to do less counseling make more time for people to be with God to be in the presence of the Lord that's where their answer is that's where our our only hope is there thank God for a word from man but I need a word from God and so do you we need to be in a be in a place where we're we, we love to spend time in his presence we love to be in that altar we love to hear from him we love to 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 be in the presence of God there's no substitute for that I want to close with this quote it was Jim Elliot who wrote this back in the 50s he said father make me a crisis man I don't know very many pastors that want to pray that kind of a prayer. But he says, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road, but make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. Isn't that powerful? You don't want to be just a milestone along someone's life on the road of their life, and you, they just pass you, and you come and go. Let your life and the decisions that you've made in life be a fork in the road. That when they see Jesus Christ in your life, they either go left or they go right. They make a decision. I'm going to either I'm going to either serve the Lord or I'm not going to serve the Lord. Let it be that kind of a life. And only the only way that happens is if we get back to the boiling point, where our lives are on fire for god we increase our passion for the lord like never before that happens in prayer it happens in reading the word it happens in the altars where god does something supernatural in our lives let let him define you don't let the world define you don't be defined by what your what your uh uh image is on on instagram or on twitter let him define you let him define you. Let him let him put his mark on you in an altar somewhere and let the rest of the world do what they're gonna do. Make a decision, I'm gonna do something for God. Can you say amen?